Hi, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the Associate Pastor here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I wanna thank you for joining us today online. I want you to go right now before we get started and download our app. You can download it from the Apple App Store or from the Google Play Store by simply searching Word of Life Carlsbad. If you would like to give today, then you can give online by going to our app or our website, or you can also text 84321, and when you search, just search Word of Life Carlsbad. Amen? Praise God. Amen? That's why we exist. Did you know that? We exist until the whole world knows that God madly loves them. That's why we exist. That's why Pastor Daniel is in Guatemala today letting them know that God madly loves them. He's with our sister church today or our, uh, our um, yeah, sister church is the right word. Palabra in acción. I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't roll my R very good. Palabra in acción. And uh, Word and Action Church in Guatemala City, Pastor Alvaro and Ondina, and uh, he's with them having an amazing time. Here's something that's interesting. Um, Pastor Daniel posted this morning, um, (coughs) excuse me, something that he's talking about today in his message, and um, I'm making the same point today. I'm just using a different passage. Isn't that cool how God does that? God does that really great. Um, and actually Blaine, um, when, when Blaine was, he had some stuff on his heart about giving and receiving. And um, before service, Sandy was talking about something God had put on her heart about giving and receiving. Same thing. See how God works? He doesn't just talk to one person. Well, how God works is he talks to all of us and he's bringing out a point and he's, he's showing us and revealing us things. So um, that's an, a pretty amazing thing. Um, I, I wanna do this because I think that you guys would be blessed and I'm gonna totally put Blaine and Sandy on the spot. But um, what I wanna do is um, I'm gonna get with you guys or better yet, you guys get with me and um, let's shoot a couple of short videos where you're able to take those thoughts and expand them just a little bit. We can post them online and that way you guys can access them um, because I believe that God's trying to tell us something here and that way we can access it, we can look at it and we can really expound on it. Sound good? Yeah? All right. Blaine Shaking said like, eh, I don't know what you just, we all know you look good on camera, man. So, um, all right, praise God. Well, God is so, so good to us. Last week we started talking about um, the, the subject or the title, I guess, it's time. I believe that it's time that we move past some things in our life and we move into the fullness of what God has for us. Anybody enjoy last week? Did you get anything out of it? Yeah, a few of y'all. I know that um, it was a good time. If you didn't catch it, I hope that you caught it online and, um, and we're able to kind of bring it together. I'm gonna to run through a quick uh, recap of last week and then we're gonna get into this week. Um, what? Oh, I didn't dismiss the bridge kids. My gosh. My wife was waving at me. I just thought, you know what? I know that we love each other and it's really hard to be apart, but um, just a little bit longer, a little bit longer. You know what's funny? People talk about the flame going out, and I don't believe in that. Um, I can say this, that I love my wife today more than I've ever loved my wife, and that's because I know how to love better. Um, you know, I, I've grown in the things of God and, and grown in love. God is love, right? So as we get to know him more, we get to know love more. And uh, so I can honestly say that, but, but I will say this. And when we were dating, I would, stay, I would stay at her house until like the absolute last moment, and I lived about a 30 40 minute drive away. So I would stay at her house and then like the last moment, I'd be like, oh, I gotta go home. I've only got like an hour to sleep. So I would go home and as soon as I would get in the car, I would call her and we would talk on the phone all the way and then I would get home and uh, I would uh, lay down in bed and we'd be still on the phone. Hold on, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. One, two, three, hang up. One, two, three, you didn't hang up. I would sleep for like 15 minutes, get up, go to Bible school. I'm telling you what, now I'm like going to bed. (laughs) Deuces. Amen. God is good, right? I I think that's probably just an age thing, honestly. I don't don't know. Sleep is more important to me now than just about anything. Um, I don't get much of it. I believe it's time to move past the things in our life that have been holding us back. And we talked about Gideon, and we're going to recap that. But let's open with prayer. 
Father God, I thank you today for your word. I thank you that it's spirit and life to us. God, I thank you that as we apply your word to our lives and on our daily routines, God, that you adjust us, that you change us, and you move us more into a place of where you would have us. So God, we open up our heart to you today. We ask that you reveal truth through your Holy Spirit. We ask that the preaching and teaching not be of man's words, uh, uh, words of man's wisdom, but with the demonstration of spirit and power, that no one's faith stands in the wisdom of a man, but it stands in the power of God. We give you thanks in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We started with this passage last week, and we're going to start with it again this week. Luke chapter 8, verse 22, and you can look it up on your phone or your tablet or, or stone tablets that you brought in here today or whatever you're using um, in order to have the word of God today. Um, Luke chapter 8, verse 22 through 25, it says, Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said unto them, let us go to the other side of the lake. It was very important there that he said, let us go to the other side. Because he was saying, you know what? We've preached all day. We've had a long day of growing in the things of God. He was talking about the parable of the sower and how the sower sows the word and, and some sows on the wayside and some on the good ground and some on the stony ground. And he was explaining those things to them that not everyone who hears the word that it doesn't magically just grow in them, but you have to put it to practice in your life and, and not throw it out and not let it be choked out. And he was saying these things and then he said physically now it's time to go to the other side of the lake but I also believe that spiritually he was saying guys I just showed you how to be good ground for the word and that you need to caution yourself against these things and now it's time to stop the things that's holding you back and go to the other side of the lake so they launched forth it says but as they sailed he fell asleep so sleep was very important to Jesus as well well, why did he fall asleep? I believe that he fell asleep because he knew, I already spoke, we're going to the other side of the lake, I don't have a care in the world. I'm just gonna go. Here we go to the other side of the lake. So we said that here, and then it says, there came down a storm of wind on the lake and they were filled with water and they were in jeopardy. Now these guys, many of them were professional fishermen. They were on the lake all the time. This is what they did for a living. I was looking at the, the region of, of the Sea of Galilee and they said that the reason why storms could come up suddenly was because the Sea of Galilee was kind of in a valley and storms would come up over the mountain and then drop down on the lake suddenly. I want you to ask yourself, do you ever find yourself in life when you are headed in a certain direction, you think you know where you're going, and then all of a sudden a storm comes up and just drops down on you, and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? I didn't even see that one coming. What happened to them? Jesus said, let's go to the other side of the lake, and they're like, yeah, we're going to the other side of the lake, and they're all chilling. Jesus goes and takes a nap. They start playing, I don't know what, they start playing uh, spades, or what, I don't know why. Anyway, they, they start playing uh, uh, video games on their phone. They're playing Fortnite, and uh, they're just hanging out, right? Nothing's happening, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's a storm. We're cruising through life, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom, there's a storm. How does that happen? Why does that happen? What are we supposed to do? Well, the disciples here, they freaked out. They were in jeopardy. They came to Jesus. They're like, wake up, bro, wake up. We're going to die. And not only that, see, in the King James Version, some of the other translations of the Bible say it different. I love how the King James Version says it. I don't normally use King James for a whole lot of things, but I love how it says it right here. It says, master, we perish. Master, we perish. How many times in your life have you gone through a storm and you just throw in the towel? You're like, I'm done. I'm already dead. I'm done. Master, we perish. This was the attitude of the disciples right now. It says, Master, we perish. And then he arose and he rebuked the wind and the raging water and they ceased and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Now, I don't believe that he was belittling them here. 
I don't believe that he was saying, whoa, man, I said, let's go to the other side. And you're like, oh, my gosh, we're going to die. But he's saying here, look, I said, let's go to the other side. Put your faith in my words that I've spoken rather than the circumstances that you see around you. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. Put your faith in the words that I have spoken rather than in what you see around you. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Peter says here, friends. This is our other title text here. Friends, and this is out of the Message Bible. When life gets really difficult, don't jump to conclusions that God isn't on the job. How many times do we do that? Man, I was going through life and everything was good, but now a storm happened, so I guess God left me. I guess God doesn't care. I guess I'm on my own on this one. Where's God now? We see that all through the Old Testament. Something bad happens, where's God? We're gonna see it in the story of Gideon too. Where's God at? Don't jump to conclusions that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad because you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. There is a spiritual refining process, but there's glory just around the corner. Jesus said, hey guys, let's go to the other side. He went and he took a nap. Why? Because the storm didn't bother him. The storm wasn't gonna affect him. We need to get to the point in our life where the storm doesn't affect us. The storm is going to come. Don't think, man, God has abandoned me and I'm gonna die out here. No, just because there's a storm, it doesn't mean that God's not on the job. So don't jump to conclusions. You're right in the thick of what Jesus experienced too. It's okay because there's glory on the other side. You're still going to the other side of the lake. Nothing changed that. Nothing changed that. So don't jump to conclusions that God isn't on the job because it's a spiritual refining process and there's glory just around the corner. So in Judges 6, this is the story of Gideon. This first part's gonna be the Reader's Digest version. If you need the longer version, then go ahead and go online and watch our message from last week. I don't have a ton of time. Right now we're sitting at 21 minutes and I can tell you I am not gonna make that. All right? I told Tiffany last night, I said, I got way too much for today, and I'm trying to cut down a little bit, but some things just need to be said. But as I told you last week, I promised you that we would either get out by lunch meal or dinner meal, that I would catch you for one of them, all right? So we'll get out by one or the other, all right? Um, I had a friend that would say, we're going to get out by 12. Now, it's either going to be 12 noon or 12 midnight, but we will get out by 12, I promise. I'm kidding. We won't be long. Super long. How about that? It won't be super long. Judges chapter 6, verse 11, it says, The angel of the Lord, he came and he sat under the oak tree, which was in Ophrah, not to be confused with Oprah, but this is Ophrah. And once again, if I say these names wrong, if you're like a, if you're a Hebrew scholar and you're like, brother, I don't think you said that right. You're, you're right. I didn't say it right. And, uh, but unless you have that like degree next to your name that you're a Hebrew scholar, then you can't say it either. All right. So we're just going to call it something here and um, we're going to all understand what we mean. Good. All right. So he sat under an oak tree, which is when Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abyssalite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. The Midianites had oppressed God's people last year, not last year, last week. I said six years, and that's what I had written in my notes. But I obviously didn't copy that from the Bible because it says very clear seven years. All right, so math was never my strong point, but I at least know how to write numbers. Um, and so I have no idea where I got the number six, but it very clearly says seven years. So we're gonna change that. Amendment, seven years. So let me bring out a few definitions here. It says the angel of the Lord, he came and he sat under an oak tree. Now it refers to this oak tree twice in this story. I don't believe that there's any part of the Bible that's in there by mistake. So in other words, if an oak tree didn't matter, God would have just said tree. And if it didn't matter at all, he would have said the angel of the Lord was there. Why did he say he sat under an oak tree? Why did that matter at all? Well, an oak tree is a symbol of strength and stability. 
strength and stability. Now, he didn't just say that he came and he sat under the oak tree, but he said the oak tree, it was in Ophrah, and it belonged to Joash. Now, when I look at Joash, first of all, Joash was Gideon's father. Important. Joash was Gideon's father. He was an Abyssalite, and he had established this family here in Ophrah. So the word Joash, the name Joash, it means Jehovah our God is fire. Jehovah our God is fire. Remember it, don't forget it. Jehovah our God is fire. And then Abizarite, the clan that he belongs to, that Joash and Gideon belong to, it means the one who has come to help. The one who has come to help. And so Gideon, he's threshing wheat, something that can be done anywhere. It can be done out in the open. It can be done, but he's doing it behind the wine press. Now, if anybody has ever visited a wine vault, you know that a wine vault is down deep in the earth. It's usually in a basement or in a cave down below. You have to keep it dark. Usually it's damp. Gideon had chosen to thresh wheat down below the surface of the earth, hiding from the Midianites because he was so terrified. They had been oppressed for seven years, and the word Midianite means the one who brings judgment and conflict. Now, can anybody relate to the fact that Gideon was terrified because he was tired after seven years of people bringing judgment on him all the time and bringing conflict his way all the time? Anybody relate to that? It gets exhausting. People that are consistently bringing judgment, bringing conflict. And so he was oppressed and he was hiding from them, from the Midianites. So let's look. First of all, and and this was our first point last week, it's time, and we should have this up here, it's time that you stop letting those who bring conflict and judgment have a greater influence on you than your God. It's time that you stop letting those who bring conflict and judgment. So many times we let the people who are screaming the loudest dictate what we're gonna do instead of letting our God dictate what we're gonna do. I'm not worried about them. I'm only worried about what God has called me to do. I'm worried about what his view of me is, not what their view of me is. And sometimes they scream really loud, but it's all right. Maybe they'll lose their voice one day. But I'm gonna let God scream louder in my life. Amen? Praise God. You with me on that? It says in verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and he said, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. This is extremely important because remember, Gideon was hiding behind the wine press, threshing his wheat because he was so scared, but God called him just then by the name of his family. His family was strong and substantial. They owned an oak tree that was right there that was so important that God mentioned it. Their name of his house meant our God, Jehovah God, is a God of fire. And they belonged to a clan that was meant to go out and to help. And so he looks at Gideon. God's like, you know what? This is just natural because I've got a family here that they were made for this. They were made to go and set people free. So Gideon, I want you to go into, I thought I did that. Whatever that was, somebody dropped something. I thought I've been scared of hooking my foot on this right here. And I thought, man, I hooked my foot. This whole thing's coming down. We're, gonna, we're, we're getting better. Today it's black. We're getting better, right? Making some progress. Y'all are like, not fast enough. He says, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, oh, my Lord, if the Lord is really with us, what did I tell you? We had a storm. If the Lord is really with us, then why is this happening? I don't, I don't think you're really uh, on the job. He was jumping to conclusions that God wasn't really on the job. He says, Lord, if you're really with us, then why did this happen to us? And where are all these miracles that our fathers told us about? Didn't the Lord bring us from Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us? Man, didn't, the disciples did the same thing. You told us to go to the other side of the lake, and now we die. Congratulations. We would have just been happy chilling on the shore. 
But you said we want to go to the other side. See, God is calling us to something deeper. He said, I want you to go deeper in me. I'm tired of the status quo, and it's time you move on with me, so you need to go to the other side of the lake. We jump in, and everything's happy. Then the storm comes, and he's like, oh, you're the one that told me to go to the other side. I was happy right here. I was chilling. We were okay. We were all right. When God spoke to, uh, in the book of Revelation, gosh, somebody can help me out with this. I don't remember what church he was speaking to. Um, But he said, what you're doing is you're dwelling in your paneled houses and you think everything is all right. But then you don't understand that you're destitute, that you're poor, that you're naked. You don't understand that you're putting things in your pocket and your pockets are full of holes. Don't you see that I want more for you? You can think you're okay, but man, I want to take you far beyond where you can go on your own. It's time. It's time. So he says here, the Lord has forsaken us. I want you to notice here that the angel didn't even give a thought to what Gideon said. The angel comes and he says, hey, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, oh, where were you when all these hard times were going on? It's time that you stop allowing your current situation to form your view of what God's purpose for your life is. Man, we were on that road and then you get derailed and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. It's time that you stop allowing your current situation to form your view of what God's purpose for your life is. Verse 14, then the Lord, he turned and he said to him, go in this might of yours. Look, he didn't even say, oh, okay, well, You're scared, so that's all right. No, he said, go in this might that you have. Go in this might of yours. And you will save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Oh, my Lord. This is Gideon talking. He said, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in all of Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. He's saying, look, I am literally the weakest person in the entire region. How can I go? My family is the weakest and I'm the weakest in my family. I can't go and do anything. And the angel keeps calling him mighty. The Lord said to him, surely I will be with you and you will defeat the Midianites as one man. Guys, it's time that you stop calling yourself by the name you've given yourself and start calling yourself by the name given to you by God. We've let circumstances and situations and problems dictate what our name is. But it's time you stop calling yourself by that name and you start calling yourself by the name that God gave you. He gave Gideon a family name, strong, courageous, one who is to help. Jehovah is a God of fire. That's the name that he had given to Gideon. Verse 17, he said, and then he said to him, Now, if I have found favor in your sight, then show me a sign. That is, you who talk to me, do not depart from here. I pray that you come and you bring an offering and set it before you. And he said, I will wait until you come back. So Gideon, he went and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread and an ephah of flour and meat. And he put it in a basket. He put the broth in a pot and he brought them out, put them under that oak tree. So Gideon, he goes and prepares. He's like, I don't believe you. I need a sign. I need a sign. Now, I don't know if you've heard this before, but one thing, as I began to study this about a month ago, as I began to study this, God really challenged me with this because in my, my whole life, uh, reading this story and, and getting into it, and, and I had heard that when Gideon asked for a sign, it was showing his lack of faith. And that God just obliged by going ahead and, and showing him the sign. But we're not to ask God for these things. And I was challenged by that. And so I began to seek God and I said, God, show me what this means. I mean, I, 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 sometimes, you know, you just have that little, that little check that, eh, I don't know that this is right. And so I asked God to show me and to reveal truth to me. Did you know that every time you read the scripture, you should do that? God, reveal truth to me. God, I don't pretend to know anything except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what Paul said. 
That's the only thing I know. Jesus Christ and him crucified. So God, show me. God, show me. Reveal yourself to me. So we open up the Bible and we begin to look at it and God showed me here. He said when, when Gideon brought the young goat, the unleavened bread, he brought the very best that he had, his natural sacrifice. The unleavened bread, the young goat, the purest of what he had. That's what he had been taught. That was the law. So he brought the best that the law had to offer. And he laid it under the substantial, strong oak tree on a rock. Now, anytime that we see the word rock in Scripture, one of the things that it can mean is the law. The rock, the law. Now, the other thing that it can mean is it could stand for Jesus. Jesus is the rock that we build our life on. But here in, in biblical interpretation and looking at the context, this rock symbolizes the law. It's a rock of offense. It's what, what Paul called the law was a rock of offense. And so we look at this and, and Gideon brought the best that he had and he put it on the rock or the law and he said, look, this is what I have to appease God and I'm putting it on the law, which is what I've been taught to do. And he said, now I want you to show me a sign. Now remember, Gideon's family name was Jehovah is a God of fire. So what happened? The angel said, take the meat, put it on the rock. He did so, and the angel of the Lord put the end of the staff that was in his hand, and he touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and a fire rose out of the rock, and it consumed the meat, and it consumed the unleavened bread. This is extremely important because Gideon said, I need a sign that I can do this. The angel said, well, I'm gonna be with you. God is going to be with you. When you go and do it, Gideon says, well, I don't really believe it. And so what I need is a sign. So he brings the best of what he has and he puts it up against the law, which it will never stand. Your best will never stand against the law, ever. The law, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not bear false witness. We can go on. Ten commandments, honor thy father and mother. You ever back talk to your mom? You have any finger marks on your face? That was not honoring to her. Strike one. Your best did not match up to the law. Do you still love your mom? Absolutely. Did you back talk her? Absolutely. Do you have a chancla mark? Absolutely. Right? <laughs> It didn't measure up. You ever bore false witness? You ever told a lie? Well, it was just a little one, lie. It was a lie. Until right now? Jesus said that if you have hatred in your heart towards your brother, then you committed murder. Girl? Right? I mean, we go on. Jesus said, if you look after a woman to lust after her, then you've committed adultery in your heart. Mm. I was good till that one. I mean, for real. If we're being for real, our best does not measure. I feel like I've lived a good life. Not that good. It doesn't measure up to the law. So what he did was he brought his best. He put it on the law. And it doesn't measure up. But then what did Jesus do? <laughs> Out of the rock rose fire and it consumed it all he said you know what you brought your best i don't need your best because mine is better because mine is better i said that i'll go with you i'll be in you i've given the holy spirit to lead and to guide you every single day of your life and even though you bring what you think is your best mine is better and i take you above i take you to the other side amen praise god Praise God. I told you it was going to be good today. I hadn't even got to part two. I got four minutes left. It's time that you stop looking at your attempt at perfection as your guide and you start looking to his perfection as your identity. Amen. Amen? Praise God. Stop looking at your attempt at perfection as your guide and start looking to his perfection as your identity. Now Gideon perceived that it was an angel of God. Alas, O Lord God, for I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. So the Lord said to him, peace be with you. We know that Jesus is our peace, right? Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. 
The last point from last week was it's time that you recognize that the peace that you've been searching for is found in your acknowledgement of his lordship. Peace was with him because he said, look, I understand that you're with me. I understand that you guide me. I understand that you lead me. So let's go on in this story. Judges chapter six, we're in verse 25 now. And it came to pass in the same night that the Lord said, take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of the seven-year-old, and throw down the altar of Baal that your father has. Ah, twist in the story. It's a plot twist. Man, this is a strong family, right? Where did they get all these ideas that they were weak? Well, truth be told, they've got an altar to Baal in their house, a false god, a god that stands against the god of heaven, the altar of Baal. Isn't it interesting that God still called him? God wasn't offended. He didn't come in and say, well, I would use Gideon. That's what I was supposed to do, but I can't because he's worshiping this false god. Right? You ever worshiped a false god? Maybe you didn't bow down to a golden statue, but did you put something above God in your life? You ever had that? We've placed something above God or not, something else takes priority, takes importance, first place. He says here that he said, I want you to go and I want you to tear down the altar of Baal that's in your father's house and cut down the grove that's beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of this rock in, order, uh, in the order place and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which you cut down. He said, look, I don't just want you to cut it down. I want you to cut down everything that's around it and then I want you to use it to build an altar to God. I want you to tear down the places in your life that have taken the place of the almighty God and then I want you to burn them. And I want you to use that as a sacrifice to the God Almighty. It's time. It's time that we destroy the altars that you've been hanging on to just in case. It's time that you destroy the altars that you've been hanging on to just in case. What do I mean by that? Sometimes we hang on to those things just in case we need them. It's like a fallback. It's like, you know what, I'm gonna follow God, but if this God thing doesn't work out, then, then I'm gonna do this. We've been hanging on. You got out of that bad relationship for a reason. Why do you keep that contact just kind of at an arm's length? Right? It's getting quiet in here now. Everybody's heart start beating fast. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? We hang on just a little bit, just a little bit. We just need that thing to fall back on. We just, we keep that contact just a little bit because what a, man, God broke that addiction from you. God broke that addiction. Why are you hanging on just a little bit? Just a little bit. He broke that in you. You don't need those contacts anymore. You don't need to maintain that just in case you need it. It's time you tear down those altars and you build an altar to God in its place. Amen? It's time we move on. We gotta get rid of the junk in order to move on. Remember, Peter said it's a spiritual refining process. We gotta get rid of some junk in order to make room. God wants all of you. He wants all of you. He wants to be your just in case. Amen? Praise God. Amen? You don't have to get quiet on me just because I'm hitting you at home. All right? Verse 27, then Gideon took 10 men of his servants and did as the Lord God said to him. And so it was because he feared his father's household that the men uh, um, and the men of that city that he could not do it by day, so he did it by night. And when the men of the city rose up early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down like God said. And the grove was cut by it, like God has said. And the second bull was offered on the altar that was built, again, as God had said. And they said to one another, who did these things? As they began to ask around, they got on Facebook, hey, the altar was torn down. Anybody see anything? Carlsbad 411. <laughs> they got on, they found out, who's doing this? They found out it was Gideon that did it. Gideon's the one that did it. 
And the men said unto Joash, Bring out your son that he may die, because he cast down the altar of Baal, and because he had cut down the grove that was beside it. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, and I'm going to read what he said in just a minute, but look at this. It's time that we put our pride aside and we take a stand for what pleases the Lord. Amen? It's time that you put your pride aside and take a stand for what pleases the Lord. It's really important here because Joash, it was his house that had the altar. He made the decision to build an altar to Baal. But then once Joash recognized that he was wrong, he's like, no, I'm gonna take a stand for the Lord. And so he stood up and he's like, what? And this is what he said. What, are you gonna plead for Baal? Are you gonna save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death by in the morning. But if he is God, let him plead for himself. He says, because one hath cast down his altar, therefore from that day on, they called him Jerubal, maybe. And that means one who, who stood against Baal, I guess is the easiest way that I can say that. So Joash, he realized that he was wrong and he took a stand for what pleased the Lord. And he said, look, you guys are idiots. We've been following after Baal. He's not even a true God. We know the one true God. And so if this guy's a true God, let him stand for himself and strike us down. I don't think he's gonna do that. And then from then on, they worshiped God, the almighty God, Jehovah God. Amen? Praise God. So let's go on. Verse 36. And Gideon said to God, this is where it gets deep, y'all. Gideon said to God, if you will save Israel by my hand, as you have said, behold, I'll put out a fleece of wool on the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only and it be dry on all the earth beside, I will know that you'll save Israel by my hand. And so he rose up early and on, on the morning and he thrust the fleece together and he wringed out the dew of the fleece and the bowl of the water uh, and a bowl full of water, I'm sorry. He wrung out the fleece in a bowl. I'm having trouble like reading today. I told you I had trouble in math and now you're like, this guy can't even read. I don't know. I, did, I graduated from Carlsbad High School. Um, so, uh, I mean, we talked about earlier when Gideon had a sign and I told you that I didn't believe that God was belittling him or offended by him asking for a sign, but God used it to show a deeper truth. That built Gideon's faith because after that, Gideon said, I perceive that you're God, right? So what happens here? Gideon's like, man, I'm, I, know you, I know you said let's go to the other side, but I'm still just a little unsure. Can anybody relate? God, I know that you called me to this, but I'm still just a little shaky. I, I'm not trying to be difficult here, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take this fleece, I'm gonna put it on the ground. And then in the morning when the dew comes, I want the dew to be on the fleece, but not on the earth around it. He's like, God, show me a sign. So what did God do? He woke up in the morning and the dew it was just on the fleece. It wasn't on the earth. And he got up and he wrung it out because there was so much on it. And it filled up a bowl of water. A little bit of symbolism here. Look at this. There's nothing wasted in the Bible. Nothing wasted. Why did he choose a fleece of wool? Why did he choose a fleece of wool? Well, the, the lamb represents the sacrifice. Jesus was the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, right? And so we've got Jesus, we've got the lamb, we've got the sacrifice, the pure, holy lamb, the fleece. He cut off the fleece from the lamb. He put it on the ground. The dew represents the blessing of God. Rain, dew, anytime we see that in scripture, I think 37 times in the Old Testament, it's all representing the blessing of God being poured out on us. And so as the dew descended down, where did the dew descend? on the lamb. The blessing descended on Jesus. 
Remember that he said, I will go with you, Gideon. You can do this because I will go with you. This is symbolic of that, reaffirming in Gideon, I'm going with you because everybody else can do what they want, but we've got you and me hooked up together and I'm descending my blessing on you. And there is so much that you can wring it out and it fills up a bowl of water that you can go and bless other people with. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You guys get that? I'm gonna pour out that blessing on Jesus and we are in him. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. And so, so then Gideon, he was like, okay, okay. Well, don't be mad at me but, that's what he says. He goes, let not your anger be hot against me. But just this once, let me prove once again with this fleece, I'm gonna lay it down again. And this time, let's make the fleece be dry and the earth all around it be wet. So he wakes up in the morning, what happened? The fleece was dry, the earth all around it was wet. I struggled with this one. I was like, ah, God, I get the whole, like, the other one. I, I understand what you're trying to say to me here, but why does he want the earth around it to be, to be wet? Is he just doing it? No, because nothing in the Bible is by accident. So I left it alone. Sometimes we need to just leave it alone for a minute. I left it alone. I came back to it in a couple days, and I was like, pfft. Mind blown. All right, so are you ready? You ready for your mind to be blown? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. All right. I'm going to go on. I'll come back. Teaser. Let's say this. Before we move on, it's time. It's time that we stop allowing our doubts to hold us back from our purpose. Gideon doubted a lot. He doubted a whole lot. Can somebody grab me some water? I'm like fading, I feel myself fading. <clears throat> Gideon, he doubted, but it's time we stop allowing our doubts to hold us back from our purpose. Judges 7, 1. Uh, then Gideon and all the people who were with him, they rose up early, they pitched beside the wall of Herod so that most of the Midianites, judgment, conflict, remember, they were on the north side of them by the hill of Moray in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people that are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Now that doesn't make any sense, you guys. Hey, your army's too big. It needs to be smaller so you can win. Okay. Sure, God. Uh, we're following you, right? You did that whole do thing. Um, we're going to follow you. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Well, I was going to say, we can share if you want or pass it around. Um, the worst thing when you take a drink in church is all you are like, man, I wish I had water. good it's good so Gideon here he says all right guys we're too big so here's what I want anyone we've got 22,000 men 22,000 men so anyone who's afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead and there returned of the people no, there were, I'm sorry, I, my math is not good. I told you, 30, there were 32,000 men and uh, 22,000 left. 22,000, there returned of the people, 22,000, and there remained 10,000. He's got 22,000 men that just went away. I'm out, I'm fearful. Can you imagine how that conversation went? If you're afraid, then I'm giving you permission to go home. I'm not afraid. Are you afraid? I'm not afraid. No. I'm, I'm a little scared. Are you scared? Yeah, I'm a little scared. If you go, I'll go. They were left with 10,000 men. 10,000 men. Let's go back to what Gideon asked God. He said, look, what I want you to do is I'm going to put this fleece out here. 
And if the fleece remains dry and all the earth is wet, then I'll know that you have sent me. What he's saying here is, if you're fearful, you can go home and it's okay because you're still gonna be blessed. If you're fearful, you can go home and it's okay. It's okay because I was there too and I didn't understand and I doubted God and I struggled with whether or not I was gonna move forward. I'm here to tell you today that I'm standing here and I've struggled and I've doubted and I've wondered if I could move forward with God because I didn't understand and I didn't know and God had to bring me to that place. And so if you're sitting here today, there is no condemnation on you if you say, man, I, think, I know that God has called me to something, but I'm a little fearful and I might just need to go home for a little bit and understand what God has for me. I'm not ready to just jump off the cliff yet. I may need to go home. It's okay. You're still blessed. It's okay, you're still blessed. Now the fullness of what God had was on that fleece where he wrung it out and he was able to help others. That was the fullness of what God had. And it's coming, it's okay, it's coming. Because blessing is still on you. God's favor is still on you. See, these were still God's chosen people. These were still the Israelites. These are still God's chosen ones. You're still God's chosen one. And you're gonna get there. I'd like to know the story of some of these men that turned around and went home. How many of them rose up? How many of them did we read about later on in the Bible? I don't know. I don't know these men's name. But I do know this, that God's favor was still on them. Because God showed Gideon, look, I am with you and I'm gonna pour out my blessing on you and there's enough for you to ring out and to bless everybody else. But your army's too big and those that go home, it's okay because I showed you that I'm gonna bless them too. But your blessing is not contingent on whether or not you're, you're walking in the fullness of what God has for you. Your blessing is only contingent on what Jesus did for you. That's it. It's only contingent on what Jesus did. He's like, man, I want you to walk in my fullness, but some of you just aren't there yet, but there's no condemnation. I'm not gonna make you feel bad, and I'm not gonna say, no, you don't get any of this. No, you go ahead and go on. You do what you need to do. You do you, boo-boo, all right? You take care of yourself. And I'm gonna take care of you, all right? Sometimes I should think about things before I say them. <laughs> the Lord said to Gideon, this is verse four, Judges seven, verse four. You might be confused where we're at. Judges seven, verse four. The Lord said to Gideon, the people are yet too many. He's like, man, I got 10,000 left and you still say they're too many? You still say they're too many. Bring them down to the water. I will try them for you there. And it shall be said that of whom I say to thee, this shall go with you and the same shall go with you out of whomever I say to you, this shall not go with you and the same will not go with you. He's saying, look, I'm gonna separate them. These people are gonna go with you. These people are not, all right? So he brought out people to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone that laps the water with his tongue like a dog set by himself and everyone that bows upon his knees to drink, cups the water, drinks, I want you to set them aside. So Gideon, he brings all the people. He's like, I want you to go in to drink from the water. Everybody, uh, we're, we're gonna separate you by that. So everybody that's lapping like a dog that just bends down and just gets it all, right? You ever watch your dog drink? Disgusting. About the grossest thing, right? Your dog drinks, it gets everywhere, slapping all over the face, I mean, everywhere, right? He gets up, it's all dripping. Uh, I don't know, maybe your dog's different. That's my dog. So everyone who lapped like a dog, set aside. Everyone who kneels down, all refined, cups the water, sips it. They're all cool too, and we're gonna put them aside. I guarantee you that Gideon was thinking, all right, I'm gonna take the civilized ones, all these savages we're gonna send home, right? So he's got 10,000 people, 9,700 people nailed down. They go like this, right? 300 people lap like a dog. So he sets them aside, and God says, I want you to take the ones that lap like a dog. This is your A-team. 
<laughs> Gideon's like, oh man, this is, it's gonna be a long day. <laughs> here we go. These are your Navy SEALs right here. This is your savvy squad of highly motivated individuals right here, all right? If you can find them, these are the A-team, right? This is who we got. Gideon, here you go. Now, what does that mean? Why did God have them do that? I believe this, that it's time for us. Let's put this up here. It's time for us to stop being concerned. I got it right here. It's time for us to stop concerning ourselves with what it looks like and let the glory of God just get all over us. It's time to go to the river. It's time to drink up. It's time to not be concerned with it may be looking like this. It may look like that. I got to make sure it makes sense. I'm worried about what my family's going to think. I'm worried about what my friends are going to think. What if I go all out with God? What's going to happen to me? What, I might lose this friendship. I might lose that friendship. I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm going to go all in. I wasn't scared, remember? I'm going all in. I am here. And when we get to that river, I'm I'm gonna drink it because I am ready. It's time to drink, what am I gonna do? It's good, but like some of it just falls through my hands, right? I got a little bit there and I'm drinking, but what God wants you to do is he wants you to say, man, there's the river of what God has for me. Am I ready for it? Yeah, I'm ready for it. I'm not gonna be like, oh, it's cold. It's cold, but I'll be all right. I'll be, I'm just, I know you're like, I know you went all cannonball in, but here's what I'm gonna do. One, two, three, one, two, three. Oh, it's cold. Right? I mean, you know what you do? Just jump in, it'll be great. Just jump in. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna jump in. One, two, three. Oh, that was cold on my foot. That was cold. And then we get a little bit and we get a little bit and it starts waiting. When you hit that stomach line, oh girl, this gets cold. Just jump in, it's gonna be good. It's time we stop being concerned with what it's gonna look like to everybody else and we just say, get it all over me. Get the glory of God. I wanna soak it in. I'm ready to go to the other side and I'm not gonna let anything hold me back anymore. I'm ready. It might look messy. It might be challenging. We might face struggles on the way and I guarantee you, I'm gonna make some mistakes along the way. I'm gonna be judged because of it. It's all right. It's all right, because we're overcoming the judgment. We're overcoming the conflict, and we're going to the other side. I don't care what it looks like. God said, look, these 300 men, thousands and thousands, 300, were ready to get it. What did Jesus say? The sower sows the word. Some are sown on the stony ground. Some are sown among the thorns. Some are sown along the wayside. And some are sown in the good ground. One out of four. I don't believe that means 25%. I believe that Jesus is saying there's a large percentage of people that, yeah, they love me. Yeah, they're going to heaven. Yeah, they're still getting blessed. But they're not experiencing my fullness where it's ringing out and it's overflowing to where they can accomplish the fullness of what I have for them because they're scared of what it's gonna look like. Because they're afraid and they're doubting my plan for them. But it's okay because what I want you to do and the reason why we're bringing this message to you today is because you may fall into that category of I'm scared. It's okay if you're scared right now. It's okay if you doubt right now. But I want you to do what Gideon did. And I want you to say, all right, God, I'm not 100% sure of this thing. Reveal yourself to me. See, I'd always been told, and I, I told you I was very challenged by that because I was told, you know what? You're not supposed to, to, to test God like that. You're not, there's one time in the scripture where it says, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. But when it's saying that, it's talking about tempting him with evil. But in Malachi chapter three, God himself says, put me to the test. Put me to the test. I don't believe that God was offended by what Gideon did. Gideon was honest with him. 
He didn't put on a front. He didn't have to put on his church clothes and his church face and come to church and pretend that everything was great. He came and he said, look, I am terrified right now. I've been oppressed for seven years. I can't overcome it in all reality. God, if you want me to be honest, I'm wondering right now where you're at. I'm saying, God, where are you? God, you did all these miracles for everybody else and I'm sitting here and I'm hiding and I'm terrified and I'm scared and I can't move on with my life. God, where are you at? And God said, no, you're a mighty man of valor. Rise up in the might that I have given you and take this land. It's time that you move past this area and move into what I've called you to do. Gideon said, I doubt what you're talking about. I keep bringing my best and it's not good enough. And he said, no, Jesus was my best and he was good enough. And so I'm gonna consume your best. And then Gideon said, no, I still doubt you. So I'm gonna take this Jesus that you say is with me and I'm gonna lay it down. Are you gonna pour your blessing out on him? He says, yes, I am. And I poured out the dew so much that it overtakes. Gideon said, one more time, I'm gonna see if you are going to bless just Jesus or what if I make a mistake? What if I still have a doubt? Are you still gonna bless me? God says, absolutely, I am. My blessing is still on you because it's not contingent on what you do. And so I'm gonna take you, Gideon's like, I got this now. I got this now, so go on. So go on. I got my people. Now what are we gonna do? Now what are we gonna do? We're gonna jump in the river. We're gonna get it all over us. I don't care if it's messy. The gospel is messy. The gospel is not churchy sometimes. Sometimes we gotta do things like hang out with sinners. Jesus did. Sometimes we gotta do things like love those that don't love us. Jesus did. Sometimes we gotta be nice to a person that's a different political party than us. <laughs> right? Sometimes we gotta love somebody if they disagree with us. Sometimes we gotta pray for somebody that's holding a picket sign, protesting something that we believe in. Sometimes we gotta smile at somebody when they look at us wrong. <laughs> right? Sometimes we have to say hi to somebody in real life when they unfriended us on Facebook. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? Sometimes the gospel's messy. Sometimes we're gonna be criticized for it. Sometimes we're gonna be rejected. It's okay. Don't think that God isn't on the job because you're right in the thick of what Jesus experienced. That's what Peter said. Amen? Praise God. God has called us to deeper. I believe it's time. Can I run through those things one more time, start to finish? Because there were a bunch of them, like seven or eight. Michelle, put the first one up. It's time that you stop letting those who bring conflict and judgment have a greater influence than your God. We're gonna post these on social media too so you'll have them. Number two, it's time that you stop allowing your current situation to form your view of what God's purpose is for your life. Number three, it's time that you stop calling yourself by the name that you've given yourself and start calling yourself by the name that God has given you. Next. It's time that you stop looking to your attempt at perfection as your guide and you start looking to his perfection as your identity next. It's time that you recognize that the peace you've been searching for is found in your acknowledgement of his lordship next. It's time to destroy the altars you've been hanging on to just in case. And finally, it's time that we put our pride aside Take a stand for what pleases the Lord. There's one more, isn't there? That's it? And I had one more that I didn't put up there. Is that correct? The last one there is it's time we stop concerning ourselves with what it looks like. No, there were two more. It's time we stop allowing our doubts to hold us back from our purpose. And the last one, it's time we stop concerning ourselves with what it looks like and let the glory of God get all over us. In closing today, Ephesians chapter five, verse 15. 
See that you walk circumspectly, that means carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. If I could have the worship team go ahead and come up. Redeeming the time, because the days are evil. They're not, therefore. Would anybody argue that the days are evil? We've got some evil days going on, right? Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, which is in dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. There, he's not just talking about being drunk. He's not talking about drinking too much alcohol. What he's saying here, don't be drunk with wine. Don't do anything that's gonna cloud your judgment. Don't do anything that's gonna pull you away and make you think a way that is not natural. And what I mean by natural, meaning God-given, that's your nature. Don't be drunk with wine, which is in dissipation, be filled with the Spirit. And then he says, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Speak. We need to be talking to one another. We need to be strengthening one another. We need to be helping one another. He says, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always. Giving thanks always. Can somebody say, giving thanks always? Guys, a thankful heart will keep you out of depression. A thankful heart will keep you out of hatred and anger. A thankful heart, remembering the things that God has done for you. I love the month of November because we focus on giving thanks. But it should be every day we focus on giving thanks. You realize that it doesn't matter where you're at. Guys, I've been to some of the poorest places in the world. The poorest nation on earth, Haiti been to Haiti you think you know poor and I walked in the streets of Haiti with thousands and thousands and thousands of Haitians who were worshiping God because he hasn't forgotten them you want to talk about giving thanks and we're crying over our circumstances our situations we're crying over the silliest things. God has forgotten me. No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. Giving thanks always. And then it says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Guys, I think one of the biggest keys is us submitting to one another in the fear of God. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And if the church is operating the way that the church is supposed to operate, we're able to go to one another and strengthen one another and help, or help each other, right? See, we have this spirit that's been oppressing us for decades of judgment and conflict. And we're not experiencing God's fullness because we're always worried about judgment and conflict. And sometimes when we go to somebody else, it's not in the spirit of love, but it's in the spirit of judgment and conflict. And we go to one another and we point out each other's faults because if I can make you look worse, then I look better. Sometimes it's easy for us, and I've said this before, I think that sometimes we use prayer requests as, in, as a way just to, to gossip about somebody else. I'd like to take a prayer request right now for Desiree because did you see... What she was doing the other day, she was doing this and that, and we really need to pray for her. No. I just like to pick on Desiree. We're not fulfilling this scripture. I, I didn't, I'm not gonna talk about this long. We gotta go. But sometimes we don't fulfill this scripture and we don't walk in God's fullness just because it's hard to trust because we've been broken so many times. <laughs> we've been broken so many times. Oh, man. Oh, God is good. Sometimes we've been broken so many times we can't even trust God because we've been broken so many times. Your trust has been broken in relationships by a guy or by a girl over and over again. Your trust has been broken by friends over and over again. And God is here to say, it's okay. I can earn your trust. 
You've got condemnation. There are people in here that you've got condemnation right now. Even as I was talking, you're starting to feel bad about yourself because you just have a hard time trusting because life has just hit you over and over and over again. I want to pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come up because I don't need to know who you are. I just This is the blunt truth. I don't need to know who you are and nobody else does. God knows who you are and he's using this time and this purpose to minister to you, all right? So if you've got trust issues, that you can't trust God because of the amount of times that you've been hurt and you're feeling condemned because you can't trust God, you've tried and tried and tried to trust God and you just can't. I want you to do what Gideon did and I want you to say, God, show me a sign. God, I open up my heart to you and I'm gonna temporarily take down the wall. And the reason I say temporarily is because I, I trust God enough to know that he's not insecure. If you temporarily take it down, he's gonna reveal yourself to you. You're not gonna need to put it back up. But I just want you to cry out to God. Say, God, I take down the wall and I allow you to reveal yourself to me in a way that I can understand, in a way that means something to me. It doesn't have to mean anything to anybody else. But reveal yourself to me in a way that I can get it. So I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna come down here. And I'm gonna pray for you. And if you're watching online, I'm praying for you as well. Again, I don't need to know who you are. Don't wanna know who you are. It's between you and God. He's just using me as a messenger today. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those who have had a hard time trusting because they have been broken over and over again because their trust has been betrayed over and over again by, by the, the, the kingdoms of this world, by the people that we come in contact with. God, I, I pray in the name of Jesus that you are beginning to reveal yourself to them in an amazing way, in a way that only they can understand, in a way that means something to where their faith grows so rock hard Hard, that it's that they can move past those situations and know that even though everybody else may fail them that you are a God that never fails us God you never let us down I ask that you hold them now in Jesus name Amen I want you to keep your heart open, guys. Allow God to mend it, and he will. If you're in here and you have never received Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to do that today. The Bible tells us that today is a day of salvation. So if you've never received him and you want to, just say this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I believe you're God's son. I believe you died for me and I believe that you rose again and today I ask you into my life to help me and to change me and I give my life to you in Jesus name amen well thank you once again for joining us today online we want to connect with you and we can do so one of three ways you can email us church at wolcarlsbad.com you can connect with us via our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash wolcarlsbad, or you can click contact us via our app or our website. We would love to hear from you, and we want you to know that God is madly in love with you. Thanks for joining us.